Think about everyone you know and interact with in your life. If everything ended right now, who would you be sad was not in heaven? So I was out to breakfast with my pastor the other day and uh, he had to run to the restroom. So he's like, hey, when, when the waitress comes, can you get me an orange juice? And I said, uh, with pulp or without pulp? And he was like, come on, Matt, I'm a pastor. Pulp it. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 174. I hope you enjoyed that. We start every episode with a dad joke. And if it is a first time, listen for you. Please rate and review this podcast. It helps other people find it. And if you haven't done that in a while, that'd be great for you to do that for us. That'd be wonderful. So otherwise, go to our website, manafoodforthought.com or m. What is it? Manafft.com and click on the subscribe button so you can get our weekly emails sent to you with our psalm reflections. That's all we send out. And you can hit the give button for uh, and you can give uh, financially to this podcast for as little as $1 a month. And that would be really awesome. You can also find on our website all of our social media handles, most active on Instagram. So if you do share this, please tag us at Thought on Instagram. Follow us there. Um, yeah, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So that was a little rambly. I didn't really do that that well, but whatever. You know, we're going to keep going. Let's get into our joy junk and Jesus. My joy is uh, that this coming week, uh, starting tomorrow, actually, my wife and I are having kind of like our little annual couples getaway. Uh, just us, no kids. And we're starting it off with a Taylor Swift concert. So pray for me. And, but I'm sure it will be great. And we're just really excited. Um, so also pray for my in-laws and my kids and that everything just goes well, everyone's safe and healthy and all of that. Um, so very, very, very excited for that. But my junk is that getting all of the work done and we're just kicking off like the RCIA year with like trainings and like our final kind of incoming interest sessions and stuff. So like I have all of this paperwork and questions and meetings and things coming in. And it's just wild to try and schedule it all and get it all done on the, um, without having this week, you know, so I'm very excited to be away, but I'm trying to get as much done as possible and get all my work done for this week ahead of time, which I think I have done. So praise God for that. But I feel like I've been running a mile a minute. So my Jesus moment was that, um, this past weekend, so my parents were supposed to come out and visit us, but they got sick and, uh, we were hoping at some point, like in the next few weeks to get like our house cleaned and our carpet cleaned because it just really needed it. And our cat just like really messed up some areas of our house. And so it worked out to where I had scheduled some stuff uh, for later in the month. And then when this weekend opened up, I like let both companies know and they were like, yeah, we can do it this weekend. So got our carpet cleaned on Friday and our house cleaned on Saturday. And it is so nice to be in a, a clean house. So um, yeah, I'm just very excited for that. So Jesus really like, I really felt like the Lord allowing us that time to just be out and away from our home, to enjoy our time with each other, to have a relaxed kind of pace this weekend, but also like come home to a clean and organized space, which is just really nice. So yeah. So let me know what your joy junk in Jesus is and how you're doing. We'd love to know. We're going to get into our episode. This Sunday is the 19th Sunday in Ordinary Time. And so we'll hear in the gospel reading the passage of Jesus uh, and Peter walking on water. But we always dive into the second reading. And the second reading is from Romans chapter 9. 
And Romans chapter 9, you know, I've been talking about this kind of theological treatise of Romans that Paul is writing to help unify the divided Christian community in Rome that's comprised of Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians and is also set in this epicenter of emperor worship, pagan religion, cult prostitution, immorality, like a lot of all this stuff, trying to balance out and centralize what does it mean to be a Christian and what is essential and what do you need to do away with from this world or from your former lives or former religious traditions in order to really be unified despite your different backgrounds? And um, so that really is indicative of like what we've been talking about in Romans. But now we kind of have this, um, this shift in Paul's tone where he's just kind of talking about his personal experience at the fact that like he really wishes that more of his people, of his upbringing, of his fellow Jews uh, before he converted to Christianity, that they knew like the glory that has been revealed in Jesus Christ and that everything that they learned and experienced as children and that they read in the Torah and in the Hebrew Bible um, was pointing to this and fulfilling all of these, these promises. So that's really what he's saying in Romans 9. So listen to kind of his ache and his heartache at people who don't get it or don't understand. So this is the second reading for this Sunday, Romans 9, 1 through 5. Paul writes to the church in Rome, brothers and sisters, I speak the truth in Christ. I do not lie. My conscience joins with the Holy Spirit in bearing me witness that I have great sorrow and constant anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my own people, my kindred according to the flesh. They are Israelites. There's the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship and the promises. There's the patriarchs and from them, according to the flesh, is the Christ who is over all. God blessed forever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So you can hear kind of the passion in Paul's tone here where he's basically saying like, I, I wish that like if... If it could work this way transactionally, if all my people would know the glory of Christ, I wish that I would be cut off from him just so that they could know. Like, I'd be willing to give up that so that they could know this glory. I'd be willing to sacrifice myself. But because they don't know, they don't realize this great gift that they've been given or that's available to them, I have this great sorrow and anguish in my heart. And it reminded me of, I'm sure many of you listening to this have people in your life um, where you feel this toward, those that you wish knew the truth. Those that you wish knew the beauty of a relationship with God, the beauty of the Catholic faith. Maybe you are a parent and you have children who've walked away from the faith or rejected it. Maybe you have family or friends who belittle Catholicism. Maybe you're the only practicing Catholic that you know or in your family. Um, that's true for me. I'm the only practicing Catholic that I'm aware of on both sides of my family. And so my mom being one of seven, my dad being one of four, um, and between all of us, I mean, I'm not aware of anyone. Maybe I think my, one of my dad's sister-in-laws, one of my aunts, um, might still be going to church, but, um, you know, it doesn't mean they're not Christian. I mean, I have a lot of them are Christian or Christian affiliated or maybe conservative in politics or whatever it might be. So they kind of align with Christianity, I guess, but, um, or some are non-denominational Protestant, whatever it is, but, um, there's still that hunger for like, do you see what you gave up or what you lost? You know, like I think about my godparents who were my aunt and my uncle, not married to each other, separate aunt and uncle. Um, but I'm, I'm not aware of any practice of the Catholic faith, like 
since that time, even if they were practicing then, you know, and that's, that's hard to kind of look around at your family and to know, like, I've been given this great gift. I've been placed in this family. I feel this burden and responsibility to share it, but I don't know how. And so how do we do that? How do we deal with that constant anguish and sorrow in our hearts that Paul is talking about here? How do we navigate that? And, and maybe first identify who are some of those people in your life? Now, you may think like, oh, you know, I come from a Catholic family, like, you know, or um, I don't really have anyone in that, in that, you know, kind of category. Well, let me ask you this. Think about everyone you know and interact with in your life. If everything ended right now, who would you be sad was not in heaven? Who would you wish was there with you, sharing that glory of eternal splendor and love with you that you could celebrate with, that you could experience that with, that you could have joy and peace with there? That sort of widens the canopy, I think, of all the people that I wish uh, and I hope one day are there. And so what do we do about that? What do we do? Well, first, I think we have to recognize we're not the Messiah. Like, we're not Jesus. We're not in the business of converting. The church teaches and the catechism says that the Holy Spirit is the one that converts hearts. Now, we can open the door, and we should. We should be opening every door and sharing every opportunity for those hearts to be opened and more conformed to Christ. But we are not ultimately the one who that rests upon. We have a responsibility to share the good news, but we, do, we cannot claim credit that people have converted or that we've brought people into the church or whatever it might be. So that's something that we have to be aware of, that that is not our responsibility. We don't have to carry the weight of that burden, but we have to recognize like we have a responsibility. And so what is that responsibility? And I think, first of all, we have to recognize like <clears throat> the, of course, we're going to pray for them. But oftentimes we are not going to be the people that those closest to us are most inclined to listen to without a grain of salt or without kind of our shared history or the baggage of our relationship kind of coming up. And oftentimes I'll find myself teaching people things or sharing things with them over and over and over again. And then all of a sudden they hear it from a new source and it's like it's brand new information. And it can be very frustrating, but I think that just speaks to the fact that like sometimes people need new influences and voices in their life to be willing to listen to something with fresh ears. And so pray for them, yes, but pray also that they will have holy witnesses be brought into their life. All those people that we hunger knew the truth, that we wish knew the truth, pray that they will have these holy witnesses coming into their life. We also need to ask ourselves or recognize the ways we've come, become too lax, lazy, or afraid in sharing our faith. I was asking myself the question the other day, like, how far would I go if I knew my efforts would be received? <clears throat> like, if Jesus came to me and he said, look, Matt, you need to evangelize this person. They're going to get it eventually, but you need to keep pushing and being bold and inviting and sharing the faith with them until they do. You will know when they get it, but you need to keep trying. If I had that kind of sense about anyone, then I would, I would keep trying everything. Now, the reality is, like, we need to act as though everyone is going to receive it because everyone has a hunger for this truth. Everybody wants and desires perfect love, belonging, truth, goodness, and beauty. And they will only find the true fulfillment and satisfaction of that desire in Jesus Christ and in his Catholic Church. That's the only place they will find it to its completion. And so 
anyone who keeps just asking the questions and seeking, they're eventually, I wholeheartedly believe, going to arrive at God and belief in Jesus, unless they're inhibited because of some past traumatic situation or some baggage or, you know, some in really negative experience that prevents them from, from going to that, that kind of furthest degree they could. But I think everyone can arrive at least at that faith in Jesus Christ, salvation in him, just by being honest and seeking. <clears throat> and so if we know everyone has that hunger, we have to know that existing in every single person is a desire to respond to that hunger. And so our efforts will be received whether or not they will be received in a positive way or a negative way, that's kind of up to that person. But we have to act as though it's all going to end in heaven for everyone because they have a desire for heaven built in. And so you almost have like a built-in success plan that like everybody wants what, you, what you're sharing with them. Like deep in their heart of hearts, everybody wants what you have, the truth that you're going to share with them. And so you're already operating at kind of a... Um, what's the difference? What's the opposite of a deficit? A surplus. You're already operating with like, you know, extra tools or, you know, kind of like cheat codes on, on your, you know, in this, this whole experience of evangelizing. When we were baptized, we were baptized priest, prophet, and king. It says this in the catechism, uh, paragraph 1241, that when we're anointed with chrism in the sacraments, we're incorporated into Christ, and Christ was anointed priest, prophet, and king. And so we also have these roles as priest, prophet, and king. We're meant to be priests out into the world. We're not ministerial priests who take vows and who function as priests in our churches, but we have a priestly calling to go represent and bring Jesus to the world. We're called to be royal, to exercise the royal office of Jesus, and he exercised that by being a servant leader. And so we do acts of justice. We serve others. We help try and represent the true king of kings well as his steward. But we're also his prophet. The word prophet in Hebrew means mouth, that we're meant to share the message of, good of the good news. You are called to be a prophet. And there's a responsibility to being a prophet. If you are a baptized believer in Jesus Christ, you have a responsibility. In Ezekiel chapter 3, uh, verses 17 to 27, there's a section where Ezekiel is charged by God, um, and he's told that like to be a prophet means to be a sentinel, like you are a representative of God. And so God tells Ezekiel, like, I've appointed you as a sentinel for the house of Israel. So when you hear a word from me, you need to warn them. So if you say to them, like they're going to like, or if I say to them, that they're going to die and you don't warn them, if you don't speak out, um, then they will still die, but I will hold you responsible for their blood. That's what God says to Ezekiel. I will hold you responsible for their blood, Ezekiel 3.18. But then he says, however, if I warn you and you still, and you tell them, and they still do not turn from their wickedness, but you told them they will still die in their sin, but you will save your life. Okay, but if... The just turn away from their, their right conduct. They do evil. When I put a stumbling block before them, you know, whatever it is, whatever's their responsibility, they will take that on themselves. But if you don't warn them about the things, they're still going to have that responsibility, but you are going to be held responsible for their blood. You are going to be held responsible for what they could have been, the faith they could have had. And then what's interesting about this is that he tells this to Ezekiel. And so I imagine Ezekiel has this like profound 
sense of responsibility to go and tell as many people as possible. And then what God does is he renders Ezekiel mute. He says in, this starts in verse 22, it says, the hand of the Lord came upon me and he, tell, he told him, get up and go out into the plain where I will speak to you. And so he goes there and he sees the glory of the Lord standing there by the river. He falls on his face in worship. God speaks to him and he tells him to go shut himself in his house. And he tells him, I'm going to make your tongue stick to the roof of your mouth so that you will be mute and no, no longer one who rebukes them for being a rebellious house. You're not going to be able to do this. But only when I speak to you and open your mouth will you be able to say to them what, God, what I am trying to tell them. So he basically like he's given this responsibility. But then his idea of taking the burden on himself and maybe doing above and beyond what God is asking him is taken away. And so I just I find that very uh, poignant and relating back to my previous point is like, yes, this is a responsibility that has been placed upon us. But we don't need to overburden ourselves. We need to be confident that we know the message of Jesus Christ and the good news of Jesus Christ. If you don't read 1 Corinthians 15, maybe the first 10, 15 verses, um, read kind of the description of, of the good news there. Um, but if we're not sharing that with people, we're going to be held responsible. You are called to be a prophet. And, and being a prophet sometimes is as simple as introducing yourself to other people, maybe even people in your neighborhood. Or going up to people that you see in a diner, maybe a young family, and saying, Hi, my name is Matt. I'm from St. Timothy's. And I'm just going around saying hi to people, seeing if, if you have a church home. Uh, or if there's anything that our church can help you with. You know, maybe going around your neighborhood like, Hey, we're here from St. Tim's. We just wanted to see, is there any way that we can be of service to you? And then people might say yes or no. And then maybe just ask, can we pray for you in any way? And then actually praying for them then and there and then leaving, not asking for money, not recruiting, not asking for them to become members, not trying to get them signed up for programs, but just being a prophet and sharing that like there is good news to be had. Like I'm from this parish community. We want to serve you proclaiming that message of good news to them. You know, so this might look like maybe I knock on a, a door in my neighborhood and I say, hey, uh, my name is Matt. I'm from St. Timothy Catholic Church. We just want to go around to neighborhoods and say hello to let them know that God loves them um, and and maybe you've experienced the way that mistakes you've made or sins that have happened in your life have separated you from that love. But we want to preach that like Jesus Christ died for you and he loves you. And you can, you can realize that and experience it in relationship with him in a community. And so we just want to come to you as a church community and ask, you know, if you have any questions for us, is there any way we can help you? Uh, is there any way we can pray for you? And so you're, you're proclaiming a very simple message of the good news. You're introducing yourself you're putting yourself in a position of service and prayer. You're not asking them for anything, but you're presenting it to them. It's not as difficult and intimidating as you think. We have Mormon missionaries come to our door. Jehovah's Witnesses come to our door. And, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses, they usually go in families. So sometimes we'll have like a dad and his daughter and the daughter's like maybe a 10 or 11. And she's there learning how to do this. Um, but the Mormon missionaries, they're always partnered up. Um, you know, it's always two guys or two women. And so we had two elders for a while. Uh, and now we have two sisters, Sister Luker and Sister Bodily in our neighborhood. And, you know, they came up and they're 20, you know, 19, 20 years old. And they're on this mission, you know, to try and evangelize people. And they basically just read a passage of scripture and they ask, like, have you ever experienced anything like this? Or do you relate to this in any way? And, and then they say, well, we're here to help. We're here to serve. If you need anything, here's our card. Let us know. Uh, when it was the elders who came, they were like, hey, if you're moving, you need a couch moved, like, just call us. It was, that was it. 
And I love talking with them because I love seeing like, wow, like they're young. You can tell it's awkward and uncomfortable and they're not really sure like the script they should be following, how it's going to be received, but they still do it. And it's not difficult. Like they, I don't imagine they get like a super elaborate, extensive education in like interpersonal communication and strategies for evangelization. It's like probably like, you know, a couple weeks of going through the program of like, what's your testimony? Uh, what are the basic tenets of our beliefs? And then here's what you do when you go door to door, knock on the door, introduce yourself, share scripture, let them know where you're from, ask them a question, offer your contact info. You know, that's it. Like it's simple. And so I don't know. I just felt so compelled by them visiting, reading that passage in Ezekiel and feeling this angst of St. Paul in this, this letter to the Romans this week to just really I don't know, charge you and myself with the recognition that we have this personal responsibility, but also free us from the burden like it's all up to us. We don't need to be in this constant anguish or anxiety um, that Paul maybe is articulating that he feels. But if you do, maybe it shows that you feel like a call to minister to this person. Maybe you feel like you have the burden of a deeper responsibility as a parent or as a spouse because the role of a spouse is to get their other spouse to heaven. A role of a parent is to get their children to heaven. And, and maybe you feel that weighing on you that maybe you haven't done right by that promise or that relationship. And know that you have a, uh, um, what's the word? A, uh, a brother in St. Paul. You have someone who um, relates to that feeling. But also know that... Um, there is a responsibility here that we need to live up to, but it all doesn't rest on our shoulders. God can do it a myriad of ways, but it's really up to us to ask, who is it that at the end of my life, when I'm in heaven, am I going to wish was there? How do I begin to open doors and share good news and joy and peace with them so that they might be? Because if I clearly have the opportunity or if I'm placed in a relationship where I'm clearly responsible for someone else, in a particular way and I just ignore that and I don't try it doesn't mean you have to be successful remember Ezekiel he's not told by God you have to you have to get them to listen to you he just says you need to say what I'm going to say through you it doesn't matter how they respond if they stay in their sin they're still in their sin but it's up to us to say what God has charged us to say to bear the weight of the responsibility of whatever the context of our relationship is and to follow the areas where we feel called by the Holy Spirit to evangelize, but not place this burden on ourselves like we have to be the one who converts souls. No, the Holy Spirit does that. We open the doors. So who, brothers and sisters, do you need to open the door for this week? What doors have been slammed in your face that you might need to try and knock on again? What family members or close friends do you think have boarded up that door and it's been long locked? Do you need to see if there's maybe a mail slot that you can speak through and say, hey, have you ever thought about opening this door again? You know, what do you think about this whole faith thing? I just been thinking about it myself and I was just really curious where you're at with it. And having that open line of dialogue and conversation. Always, I think, often if not always, it goes far better than you think it will. And so we just need to try and ignore the lies of the evil one that's whispering in our ear and telling us it's going to be awful and terrible and judgmental and what have you. That's just not how these things go. That's not how life works when you're living in the Holy Spirit. God is with you in this. It's not up to you, but he is asking you to help him. He's asking you to be a part of this process of evangelizing, of spreading the good news, just like Jesus did with the apostles. He could have done it all himself. 
but then we wouldn't have the church. We wouldn't have this community of faith to bring us God's healing and his teaching and his reconciliation. We'd have to wait for the one guru to make his rounds around the entire world. But thankfully, we don't have that. And so I pray that you will recognize your role, that you have everything that you need by virtue of your baptism and the gifts of the Holy Spirit in you to just step out in faith, to ask a question, to share, to pray for that person, to pray that they will have holy witnesses entering their life and to never give up on a soul. Never give up on a soul. Even after the day they die, pray for the repose of their soul because you never know the state of their soul. That's all I have for you this week, brothers and sisters. Um, I hope that was beneficial to you. I felt like I was a little all over the place, but you know, the Holy Spirit tends to work most profoundly in the episodes where I feel like I articulated something terribly. So I hope it was a blessing to you and uh, pray for me on my week away with my wife. And until next time, I will see you in the Eucharist. God bless you.